0: Okay, so the title of tonight's message is Evangelism, um, and not just any type of evangelism, evangelism with power, evangelism with power. Now, you might say to yourself, Pastor, you talk about this all the time. Yes, I do. When are you going to stop talking about it? When we start practicing it, right? So, Mark 16, 14 through 18, uh, later he, Jesus, appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and the hardness of their hearts because they did not believe that those who had seen him they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen and he said to them go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and these signs will follow those who believe in my name they will cast out demons they will speak with new tongues they will take up serpents And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So just a little bit of background. Uh, When Jesus appeared to these disciples, he had already risen from the dead, and he was being seen by witnesses who went and told the disciples that he had risen. And what's interesting is that even though Jesus had told the disciples that he was going to die and rise again they kind of had no clue, it was still sinking in the reality of the fact that he had just passed away uh, was probably really impactful to their lives and even though Jesus had told them this was going to happen they were having a hard time believing, Matthew 16, 21 from that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. He is telling his disciples this before it happened. What the what the apostles or the disciples were struggling with was Jesus's resurrection. What is the resurrection? It is the ultimate demonstration of power. It is a supernatural God intervening in the process of decay by giving life to a dead individual it was and is a supernatural outpouring of God's power and the disciples were not having an easy time believing it. Jesus then appears to them and rebukes them for their unbelief and he commissions them to go and to preach the gospel and that's our first point preach the gospel mark 16 verse 15 go uh, into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature now it's not like that up here but if you have one of those red-letter Bibles, this is in red. This is Jesus telling the disciples and telling us to go preach, proclaim, testify, tell people about the gospel. Some people don't like the word preach, or they may have an image of the word preach as something that I do. So go tell, uh, I'll go onto all the world and tell the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for you to everyone that you can. What is the gospel? Well, simply enough, the gospel means good news. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. It is the lordship of Jesus who conquered death, hell, and the grave, and in conquering death, hell, and the grave offers forgiveness and salvation, offering the resurrection power of God to forsake who forsake their life and by faith embrace his First Corinthians fifteen three through four for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that He was buried and He rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures in Romans one sixteen and seventeen Paul uh, uh, himself says I am not ashamed of the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes for the Jew first. And also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So it is God's power raising sinners that are dead in their trespasses and sins, and giving them newness of life. It says in First Corinthians, it's not up there first Corinthians, second uh, Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen, for we are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. The emphasis is on we are new creations in Christ. We were dead without Christ, but now that the spirit of life, God who is life, lives inside of us. We have life. And you might say to yourself, I wasn't dead. You were dead to eternal life. You were dead to the things of God. Your spirit uh, was uh, um, dim. It was darkened. It was without light. And when the light comes in, God gives life to your spirit, life to you, because we are spiritual beings. Amen? Ephesians 2, 4 through 9, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, Made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, we're saved by grace through faith. Now, a lot of people think that grace is simply it is this but it's more than this that uh, receiving something we did not deserve. Grace is that but it's more than that Jesus had great grace upon them everything he received he deserved so grace is more than that grace is actually the empowering presence of God I don't have time to teach on that tonight I'm not going to teach a whole message on it we could but grace is God's empowering presence so the gospel is the gospel of grace it is God's grace so we could say that the gospel is the empowering presence of God the grace of God made available to those who believe when you believe by faith you are saved through grace God's power is uh, uh, poured out in your life and you who were dead now are resurrected and you are made alive in Christ hallelujah 1 Corinthians 1.18. Well, I don't know about this. Well, a lot of people don't know about it because it says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, and the context is word only, but in power. So proclaim the gospel. second point we want to look at is we're to proclaim the gospel in power. It says, in, again, Mark sixteen, fifteen through 18, go unto all the world, preach the gospel. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these miraculous uh, power demonstrations will follow those who, who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover now I don't know about you but if I just lay hands on the sick then more than likely there's a good chance that I might get sick because I don't have power within myself but if I lay hands on the sick in Jesus name right then, then something supernatural takes place and people that are sick become well not because of me but because of him who lives in me he is the healer he lives in us and whether you're saved whether you're taking authority over demons and casting them out whether you're speaking in new tongues this is the spirit of god working through us anointing us empowering us to do what we cannot do on our own right when jesus told the disciples to preach the gospel he told them to preach the gospel to every creature they were divinely charged with the task of proclaiming Jesus, and they were supposed to proclaim the power of God in Christ to save. Now, it would be, um, it would be unconscionable to tell people about Jesus Christ and offer them salvation if there was no power to save. Right? What, to what purpose? Is, are we to proclaim if there is no power? We tell people that Jesus saves because in the gospel there is power to save. Right? So he told them to preach the gospel to every creature. They were divinely charged with the task of proclaiming Jesus and the power of God resident in Christ in the work that he did at the cross of Calvary to save, heal, deliver, set people free. And he told them to proclaim the good news of Christ in power. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is that uh, sometimes we say proclaim the good news. We have to understand that the good news is not good news if there's no power in the good news. What makes the good news good news is the power of God. Like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the good news because it is the power of God to save, to heal, to heal to deliver, to set free. So when we proclaim the gospel, we are supposed to proclaim the gospel of power in power. Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5, through 5, My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power. Now, it doesn't mean he doesn't preach. It doesn't mean he doesn't speak. What he's saying is, I'm not just coming to you and giving you a pep talk. I'm not just coming to you and giving you a a good, uh, 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 ear-tingling, pleasing uh, speech that will make you feel better about yourself. No, I'm speaking the gospel, and when I speak the gospel, there is a supernatural uh, force that accompanies the proclamation, the Spirit of God, that when I proclaim, there is a demonstration of the Spirit in power that your faith should not be in eloquent words of wisdom. I added that in there, in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So in other words, you could have ten preachers up here, and it's not the one that speaks the best that's going to give you what you need to be able to get free from whatever situation you're in in life. It's not how good they speak. It's not how eloquent they speak. It's not in the wisdom that they speak. It is the power of God that is unleashed and released in the proclamation when people believe. Right? Right? So, so what you want to look for is not a silver tongue preacher. What you want to look for is a preacher that is connected to the power of God. Jesus didn't stand up and say, uh, um, I'm here, and man, you're going to hear an eloquent, mighty proclaimer of the gospel. And he, uh, but I believe you did whenever Jesus spoke because Jesus was an incredible, he was the word made flesh. But what he said is that the spirit of the Lord is upon me too. The power of God is upon me to proclaim, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. It's not in eloquent words of wisdom. It is in demonstration of the Spirit and power. I'm making sense to you, right? In the book of Acts, we find that the apostles were commanded to receive the power of the Spirit for what reason? So that when they went to talk about Christ, they didn't just do it with words, but they did it backed up by God's power. Acts 1, 4 through 5, being assembled together with them, he, Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What's the purpose of that? Why should we wait? Acts 1 and 8, because when you you are baptized with the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and in that power you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. So as I read the book of Acts again, and as I read the book of Acts, I find that the disciples were faithful to do just that. They preached the good news of Christ, and they did it in power. If I were to capture how they did what they were commissioned to do, I would call it power evangelism. But there was a guy named John Wimber that already coined that phrase. But the truth is, that's what they did. They evangelized. They went in all the world. They preached the gospel. They did it in power. And these signs followed them who believed. Let's look at a few examples from the book of Acts. Let's look, first of all, at Pentecost. At Pentecost, what happened? When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. They were inside a house, and the house began to, uh, there began a wind began to blow in that house. Now, what you don't realize is that in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was called the Ruach of God. The Ruach means the breath of God, the wind of God, the Spirit of God. And so what, what we're looking at here is, what, uh, is when the wind began to blow, the, when the Bible says, remember, the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, the Spirit of God moved in. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house. And there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. So this, these divided tongues became visible to the people that were there and were on top of their heads. Now, I don't know. You might say to yourself, well, that's just metaphorical language. No, I believe what the Bible says is true. There was a there was a, a an outpouring out of which the assemblies of God and other denominations were uh, birthed out of in the early in the 1900s 1906. There was an outpouring in California on uh, uh, in, in a place called Azusa Street. And it was a barn that was converted into a church. And what happened was the glory of God began to manifest in that barn. Now, I wasn't there, but there were many, many eyewitnesses that were there. When the glory of God began to manifest, a mist would begin to uh, come into the room. It was like a cloud began to manifest in front of them. And, and all of a sudden, you could see real good because of the The cloud, but what was this cloud? This cloud was the glory of God made manifest. Now, they weren't seeing it with their spiritual eyes, they were seeing it with their natural eyes because the spiritual world was invading the natural. But the reason I mention this is because one of the things that happened quite frequently is that the people that were surrounding this place, this church where they gathered, this gathering place that used to be a barn, but now the glory of God was manifesting there, many, many times people were calling the fire department because they would look at this building and they would see fire uh, on the building. And when they saw the fire, now obviously it had to be visible to the natural eye because they were calling the fire department and saying that building, on fire but when they got there it wasn't that the building was on fire it was that God was manifesting himself on that place in those people with fire remember in the Old Testament Moses went to look at a bush and the bush was on fire but it was not consumed right so what was happening here fire wasn't a spiritual thing it was visible to each one of them, was sitting upon each one of them. And when they, that fire set upon them and the wind came through, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues. Now, it's important that we understand that it was unknown tongues to them. God, just like I said, well, how would God do something like that? Well, in the Old Testament, whenever they were all had one tongue and they were building a, a, a city and a tower in the, in the uh, city of Babel, they were building at the tower of Babel when God had told them to separate. They were actually doing the opposite of what God told them to do. The Bible says God came down to visit them, and when he came down to visit them, he saw what they were doing, and he uh, confused their language and gave them the multitude of languages at that particular point. If God can give everybody a different language at that particular point, and they had to scatter because, you know, you don't want to talk to somebody that doesn't understand you and you can't understand them, but they found people that they could understand, and then they began to separate into those tribes based on the languages that they had. Well, if God can do that uh, supernaturally in division, couldn't He also impart unto people languages that they could speak without necessarily understanding what it was that they were speaking? Well, how would He do that? Spiritually, God empowered. Remember, this is the gospel of power to do something they didn't have the ability to do in their natural human uh, uh, ways of conducting life. The power of God manifested upon them, and the Spirit of God gave them utterance. So uh, when that happened, there was a great turmoil in the city. And I want you to know, when God begins to move, there is turmoil in the city. There's good because there are people that embrace it. And then there's bad because there are people that reject it. And then there are people that oppose it. But it doesn't matter. God is moving. So anywhere that God is moving, you're going to have a commotion. Right? If something's in motion, there's going to be a commotion. And what happens is that the people all began to gather. And they began to say, what's going on? What's happening? We hear them speaking in languages that we, you know, that, that they don't know. But we know. We hear the gospel being preached. They're prophesying. And, then, you know, that's when Peter gets up and empowered by the Spirit of God, he began to do what he could not do on his own. You say, what do you mean? Well, I mean, just 40 days prior, whenever Jesus was crucified, he ran away. But now, empowered by the Spirit of God, remember, you shall receive power if the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He's talking to the same people that crucified Jesus that 40 days ago, he probably would have said, well, they'll crucify me too. But what made the difference? The Spirit of God, the Spirit of power on his life. He gets up, and he proclaims to them, and he tells them, you are the ones, this Messiah that God sent, you are the ones that crucified him. And they were cut to the heart. And the Bible says in Acts 2, 40-41, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. What I want you to understand is that in this book of Acts, they didn't just talk. There was power that was manifested, power of the Spirit being poured out, and power to proclaim. And because of that gospel of power, 3,000 men, and the, the, the context is men, so there's no, other, no no telling how many other women and children were saved were added to the disciples at that day because what they were presenting was not just a good news and word. They were presenting the good news in word and power. Second thing that we see, Acts 5, 12 through 16, Peter's shadow. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. Where were they done? In church? I'm sure they were done in church, but that's not where it says that they were doing. Where was it done? Among the people. Right? Where does that mean? That means at Bucky's. That means at Walmart. That means at Kroger's. That means, you know, at the school. Wherever they're at, many signs and wonders were done Among the people. What are signs and wonders? The supernatural demonstration of the power of God. Right? And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, yet none of the rest there joined them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So, first of all, none of the rest there joined them, it says, and then it says, believers were added to the Lord. So what was happening here is that people were not just casually coming to church and, and sitting and listening to a good sermon. They understood that the power of God was being manifest. And when they understood that God's power was being manifest and the glory of God was being manifest, there could not be any casual observer. They had to know. They had to make a decision. They were either going to stay away or they were going to join. But when they joined, it was going to be 100%. They were believers, but they were being added to the Lord. But it wasn't just, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I'll sign a membership row. Yeah, I'll say that. No, it was people that were totally committed to following after Christ. They denied themselves. They denied the kingdom of Satan, and they embraced Jesus, and they embraced the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? They denied where they came from, and they embraced where they were going. A lot of people want to go where Jesus would like them to go, but they want to bring where they were with them. Right? The kingdom doesn't work like that. Christianity doesn't work like that. You've got to be willing to deny Satan, deny the world, deny yourself. Right? We die. When we go down in baptism, we die to the old way of life, and we resurrect to a new way of life. Paul said it this way. It is no longer I that live but Christ in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So that is what it means to be a believer. A believer is not just someone. yeah, I understand, I agree with Christ. No, a believer is, I'm, full, I'm all in. That's what Leon preached. I'm all in, right? And believers, people that were all in, were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they, who? Believers, not the apostles, the believers. Who was doing the signs and wonders? The apostles. But the believers, they got to believe and they got to sing how God was doing what he was doing. And because they wanted to Uh, participate in what God was doing and to to increase what God was doing they worked with God they worked with the Apostles and the believers they brought the sick out into the streets laid them on beds and couches and I want you to know that they didn't have they couldn't call the EMTs they didn't have walkers they didn't have all they were carrying them they were bringing them on their pallets they were putting them on their backs and they were bringing them out into the street that at least the shadow of a Peter passing by might fall on some of them and a multitude also gathered from the surrounding cities. So they were coming from Jones Creek. They were coming from Sweeney. They were coming from Oyster Creek. They were coming from West Columbia. They were even coming from maybe they were even coming from Pearland. From the surrounding cities to Jerusalem bringing sick people why because God's power was being manifest and those who were tormented by unclean spirits they were bringing them why because God's power was being demonstrated and here's what happened the Bible says they were all healed right now were they being told about the Lord I'm sure of course they were being told about the Lord but they didn't stop which is telling them about the Lord they were demonstrating the gospel they were doing the gospel they weren't just talking the gospel they were doing the gospel uh, not with eloquent words of wisdom only but in demonstration of the spirit and power how about Philip in Samaria Philip was a deacon uh, when, the, when everybody was scattered Philip had to run too he had to go as well Acts 8, 4-8 Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching the Word. Oh, man, I'm not a preacher. I didn't go to Bible school. Okay, let's. they were going everywhere telling everybody about Jesus. I don't like that translation. But it's the truth, right? Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip. Why? Because they were hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So in other words, he didn't just come talking, he came demonstrating. And when they saw the miracles which he did, it opened their ears to hear, and when they heard, they believed. What kind of things was he doing? He actually tells you in verse 7, For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed now notice it doesn't say and there was great joy among those who were healed it says no there was great joy in that city when the gospel is proclaimed and proclaimed in power it not only affects the people that have received but it will affect the entire surrounding areas and i want you to know that god wants his glory to to be demonstrated on his people through his people because he wants to impact the city sometimes I'm, i don't know if i should share this cuz i'm writing it down but it's so good i hate to keep it to myself All right, you asked for it. I was reading about Hannah this morning. Anybody remember Hannah? She, uh, in the book of First Samuel, she was barren. She was one of two wives that her husband was married to. Uh, I, the context makes it seem like she was his first wife. And she couldn't have any children. So, And then he married a second wife, and she had lots of children. And the second wife made the first wife miserable because she had no children, you know. And so she wanted a child so bad, and she goes to the Lord. They go to the temple every year, and she goes, and, and she's crying out to the Lord. She said, God, if you'll give me a son, I'll give him back to you. So what was she wanting? A son. That's what she wanted. She just wanted one son. That's it. But you know what? God wanted more than just a son. See, God wanted to open her womb. Right? If I could just have one if I can just have an immediate answer to my problem, we say, God, just just meet my need and God says, I want to more than just meet your need. I want to flood your life. So she came <laughs> oh man it's so good she came and she got a prophetic word at a time when the word of the Lord was rare she got what she need, needed but God wanted more than that God wanted a, she got a prophetic word from Eli, uh, from Eli who was the priest at the time but God wanted a prophet who was full of prophetic words So what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes our thinking is limited and small. And God thinks so much bigger than what we think. Right? I just want this. And God says, but I want this. So what I want you to do is I want you to, sometimes what we do is then we reduce God to our level of thinking right and what God wants to do so much more but in other to do so, to, to do more he's got to blow our thinking out of the water why how can you prove that well you don't put new wine into old wine skins you've got to have renewed wine skins so that you can put in new wine because if you put in the new wine in an old way of thinking the new wine will just burst and fall to the ground, but if God can expand our thinking and, and, and grow the way that we are as people, then we can begin to accept some of the new wine and what I'm saying is that as a church uh, and I'm not sure <laughs> I just I'm giving away some good stuff here so as a church, we are accustomed well, we want to uh, we want to break a hundred, or you know, we just want to do this and we want to do that. And I believe God wants so much more than that. But the reason we don't get more than that is because we're limited in our thinking, right? So uh, here we have in 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 uh, in uh, was it Peter's shadow that we're talking about? He said, you know. Uh, well, I just want my neighbor to be healed. I want this to be yeah, that's great. There's no problem with that. But God wants to bring great joy into the city. God wants to impact our city. God wants to impact our area. How are we going to do that? I, I began. I just be personal in my own life as I was thinking about this. Um, I've already got off on the rabbit trail anyway. I said, how, how am I going to impact this next generation? More than, and, and even more personal than that, how am I going to impact my kids? Right? So obviously say I'm praying for their salvation. I am. But you know what they need? They need to experience the glory of God. Right? And so it's kind of like, well, I'm pursuing God for their salvation, and I want them to get saved. But God is saying, I want to pour out my glory. If my glory is poured out, your children will be saved. If my glory is poured out, the city will be saved. If my glory is poured out, this region will be impacted. You, you hear what I'm saying? So I'm asking for a son, and God's looking for a prophet who will impact the nation. Who will, so, that, so you're looking for one little prophetic word, and I want it never to be said anymore that the word of the Lord was rare. So, yes, God, we want to see more people say, I do. Yes, God, I want to see more people saved. I do. But what I really want is I want the glory of God to manifest. Because when the glory of God manifests, people get saved, healed, delivered, and suffered. And I don't want that just so that our church can be bigger. I can hardly handle what we have right now. I'm not that kind of pastor. Then what do you want it for? Because I want to see lives change. I want to see, I want to see Polar Delivered from rheumatoid arthritis. I want to see Mary walking. You know, I, I want to see. Uh, I want to see our city be prosperous. I want to see our schools uh, impacted by the glory of God and the teachers impacted by the glory of God. Why? Because when that happens, it changes who they are. It changes what they teach, and it's kind of like uh, the government. Forget what they say. I'm going back to the original government of God because when we teach this, people's lives are changed. Let me get back. Evangelism with power. Peter and Aeneas, Acts nine thirty-two 32-35. It came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ, what is the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus the Christ wants you to be uh, comfortable in your uh, 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 paralyzation. Jesus the Christ wants to comfort you with nice words in in your sickness and disease. No, Jesus the Christ heals you. Now I want you to know that's good news. Arise and make your bed. I want to get out of this bed, Bobby. I'm reminded of that testimony, and she did, right? Then he arose immediately, and so all, not just him, all who dwelt at these cities of Lydda and Sharon saw him, and they all turned to the Lord. Cornelius' house, Acts 10, 34-43, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all, all that... W- that word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea began from Galilee after the baptism with John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power he went around doing good healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him and we are witnesses of all the things which he did in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem whom they killed by hanging on the tree him God raised up on the third day showed him openly not to all the people but to witnesses chosen by God even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead and he commanded us to preach to the people and to Testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in his name will have remission of sins. Peter is preaching to the house of Cornelius, he's preaching to Gentiles. And then it says at the very end of this passage, in verses 44 through 46, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell. Who is the Holy Spirit? The ruach of God, the wind of God, the breath of God, the power of God fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How do they know? Because they heard them speak with the context is unknown tongues and magnify. Power, power, power. Evangelism with power. Paul in Ephesus, Acts nineteen ten through 12. It says, And this continued for two years. Paul was preaching the gospel so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Now God worked. Not Paul, but God worked. Unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. You know, that could easily be said... God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Bubba. God worked unusual miracles by the hand of Dwight. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Ruth. Right? Who's doing the the work? Who's he using? Us. God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went Out of them, the good news in power. So we see in the book of Acts in these examples that we looked at, that evangelism, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ, the power of God was for salvation, which is salvation, deliverance, healing, was indelibly linked with power. Evangelism with power. Where did they learn power evangelism from Jesus Himself? Matthew 4, 23-24, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them. And then Jesus said in John 14 and 12, The works that I do greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father who is in heaven. Why is that important? Because when he went up, the Holy Spirit came down. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Right? It doesn't say you shall receive tongues. See, a lot of times what happens, we get tongues and we think we're good. Now, The tongues are a sign that you've been hooked up to the power. Now, you've got to learn how to function in that power. You've got to learn how to work in that power. You've got to learn how to cause that power to flow. It's like your house got connected to power, but you've got to learn how to release that power so it becomes effective in the world around you. Are you hear what I'm saying? Today, in our culture today, and this is just me talking, it seems that we have set aside... Uh, the, actually, it was a little more harsh than what I wrote, but we've set aside the model given to us in Christ and in Acts and have moved to what I want to call for tonight I don't know if this is a term I just just to make it it's just a way to make it uh, understandable I call it presentation evangelism we try to reason people into the kingdom and this form of evangelism is characterized characterized by one simple observation no power where did we learn presentation evangelism not from Jesus neither from the disciples who were taught and commissioned by Jesus. In contrast to presentation evangelism, power evangelism has within it, by definition, power, but it also has within it presentation, right? That is, it couples presentation or the preaching or the proclamation or the teaching or the telling of Jesus and the good news of Jesus Christ with power. Power evangelism is what Jesus modeled and what the disciples practiced. Again, we'll use this scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5, my speech and my preaching, so it's not like he wasn't speaking or preaching. He says, my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in de- demonstration of the spirit and power that your faith should not be in the wisdom or the eloquence of men, but in the power of God. It's kind of like if we can teach you how to present the gospel in a logical enough way, people would get saved. No, that's not what saves people. Tell them about Jesus and release the power of God, and it's the power of God that saves people. I'm reminded of that man that was delivered from a legion of demons. And Jesus said, Go tell everybody what, what I've done for you. He didn't have sermons. He didn't have uh, a sermonettes. He didn't have Google. He didn't, my, my daughter said, I said, Let me teach you how to, how to uh, change a tire. He said, I, I don't need to learn how to change it. Well, what are you going to do? He said, I'll Google it. He didn't have Google to show him how to teach people about Jesus, he didn't have tracks. You understand? He didn't have the school of ministry to go to. He didn't have anything. What did he have? He had a testimony. I'm the guy that Jesus set free from demonic power. I'm the guy that you couldn't handle. I was chained and Jesus Christ set me free. Well, the Bible says that the next time Jesus came into that region, They all flocked. Remember, everybody wanted him to leave at that particular time, and so he left, but he left this guy to tell about what happened in his life. So the next time Jesus comes back, when they heard the testimony, not eloquent words of wisdom, not sermon building 101, not, uh, uh, you know, a logical presentation, but I'm the guy that used to have demons and now Jesus Christ set me free. So when Jesus came back, they brought their sick, their lame, their paralyzed, their crippled, they're demon-possessed to Jesus so that Jesus' power could set them free because that is the good news. Jesus is not just a God of words. He is a God of power. Are you I believe we need to go back to the source. God's will is that we proclaim the good news, but His will is that we proclaim it, and the understanding is that we proclaim it in power. Remember our text. He said to them, Go into all the world, Mark 16, 15 through 18, and preach the gospel. Proclaim the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, these demonstrations of power will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover Lord Jesus use us move through us God anoint us empower us with your presence activate it in our life Lord let us believe I believe use me God As I go out there, sometimes I'm just believing God to to help me to have a word from somebody. You know, you can do that. You say, well, I'm not sure that I can preach the gospel. Ask God for a word of knowledge. Ask God for a word of wisdom, demonstration of power, the giftings of the Spirit. The, The word giftings is the empowerments of God. Gift of faith, gift of healings, gift of tongues, gift of uh, uh, prophetic words, gift of words of knowledge, uh, 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 gifts uh, uh, of w- words of wisdom, working of miracles, gifts of healings. Right? Ask the Lord. You have not because you ask not. Walk into a place. The Lord, I'm having a hard time. Can you give me something for these people? God says, "I want you to. I want you to tell them this is." Uh. And it's, you'd be surprised. Some of you, some of you have. Uh, uh, the ability to be used by the Spirit that would make others of us almost say, wow. How do you do that? It's not you. It's the Spirit of power, Holy Spirit moving through you as the Spirit of God wills, empowering you with His days.